just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. We're in the middle of a weekend, and uh, I hope things are going well for you. We still have a war raging in Ukraine. This is a fucking mess. And in the end, when it's all said and done, nobody will win, including Vladimir Putin. No matter how it goes, he's going to come out the loser in this. I think he even kind of knows it, too. You know, when you get a narcissistic, sociopathic, pathological, lying psychopath, They can't help themselves. They can't be wrong. And even when they're cornered, they just start to flail and they start to get more violent and they get more excited. And I'm afraid that's what's going to happen because this thing hasn't turned out like he'd expected. We're going to talk more about that during the show, of course. But first, I want to get to some emails that I got from some listeners. You know how I like the emails. I love hearing from people because I think you folks have as much valuable information to give on this show as I do. So I'm always anxious to hear what you have. So I got this uh, letter, email, I should say. Sound like a boomer, don't I? (laughs) I got a letter. Now it was a fucking email. So anyway, I got this email from Denise. She says, Mike, I've been seriously concerned about the existential issues over the past several years. Number one, climate change. Number two, the failure of our democracy. Number three, the continued degradation of our justice system, issues of social justice and gun control, and the growth of white supremacy. But today, the existential crisis seems to be nuclear war, or at least the unleashing of major weapons of mass destruction. How would you rank these issues in order of concern? What are your major fears? Well, I'm a rational boomer. I'm not scared of shit. (laughs) No, that's not true. And I don't mean to make light of what you're saying here. You make some good points, and they deserve to be taken seriously. And that's an interesting question. How would I rank these as far as importance to me? Each one of these things you outline are very important. They're actually critical and crucial to this country if we hope to see it proceed on into the future. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, leaving a good place for our kids and grandkids. We have to be worried about all these things. But if I was to pick the one thing that is the most important to me, the one I'm concerned with the most, would be the thing that's the most eminent, that could cause the most problems the quickest. That's how I deal with things. I take the biggest problem first, that has a limited time available to it and try to get that one done first. I don't try to take on all problems at the same time because then you just get overwhelmed and you get nothing done. So I'd focus on one thing, and that would be the failure of our democracy because that seems the most eminent. And once the democracy has failed, all those other things will be impossible to deal with. So to me, the potential failure of our democracy is the most important. It's the most eminent problem, and it may be the easiest problem for us to fix if we do it, if we pay attention to it, and if we take the measures needed to fix the situation. Our problem is simple. We've got the Democratic side of this government that are doing what they can to hold on to and uphold our democracy. And we have the Republican Party, who is trying to do the opposite, trying to undermine our democracy overturn our election, to overthrow our government. This is the easy part. We know who the bad guys are. We know who the good guys are. We know what we need to do, but of course, when you're dealing in government and in any kind of bureaucracy, everything takes time. Well, that's all right for most things, but I think in this situation, we've got to expedite things. We've got to take care of things. We've got to maybe do things differently than we've done in the past. As I say, this is the thing that worries me the most, but it's going to be the easiest to fix. And the way we fix it is make everybody who has done these horrific things with the Republican Party or Donald Trump or his administration, make them accountable and make them accountable now. Get them out of the equation. Shut their mouths 
get them out of the decision-making process. And then we can get back to securing our democracy pretty quickly. So you see what I mean? It's, it's probably the most important, most fearful thing to me, because if you don't fix that, nothing else is even possible to fix. But it's easy to fix if we'll just go ahead and do it. And what I've said before is that, you know, that's kind of on us. We've got to push the issue. For years and years and decades, people have said, well, I can't do anything. I'm nobody and just sat back in apathy and let it happen. That may have worked for a while, but now we can't afford to do that. We've got to step up and push back and be proactive and be protesting and arguing and making noise all the fucking time. Because this problem is easy to fix if we just do what we're supposed to do. Don't tell us that every nobody is above the law and then show us that, well, a few people are above the law. Stick to what you said. You want to protect democracy? Then you do what you're fucking supposed to do. Don't tell me about the problems with politics and it may not look good and stuff like that. This is our democracy. This is our country. We need to fucking save that. So we can't... Um, we can't sit around and wait for being polite or nice or even appropriate or even politically correct. This is a dangerous situation right now, so we've got to act. I've said this before, and I'll say it again, and it maybe makes me sound like I'm a warmonger, and I don't mean it to, but it brings me to that point. When you look at the things that people are doing to undermine our democracy— overturn our elections, overthrow our government. If these people were foreign entities and they were in our country, what would we do? We would immediately jail them, we would fight them, we would kill them if we had to. That's what we do. We have terrorists in our country from another country and they're doing these things. They would be shut down immediately. Now we have Americans, Republicans, Trumplicans doing the very same things I'm talking about. But now we're walking around on tippy toes. Oh, we can't be too mean. Look, we can't afford not to be mean because this is slowly edging into our lives, making it normal, making it mainstream for people to try to undermine our elections, our country, our democracy. And we can't allow that to happen. We can't change the paradigm. As long as I've been alive, these areas, the democracy and elections, have been kind of sacrosanct. And now it seems like they're just suggestions, not necessarily rules or law. We can do whatever we want if we're just not happy with the way things turned out. That shit's got to stop. Okay, so Denise, the failure of our democracy is the most important thing to me. That doesn't mean it has to be for you, but it is for me, because without that, we can't do the other things. And again, as I said, it's probably the simplest thing we can fix. If we act, if we change our perspective on how we deal with these people, they are a danger, they're a terrorist, and just because they're from this country doesn't make them any less dangerous, any less culpable, and we shouldn't hold them any less accountable. But let's talk about some of the other things. Climate change. This is a huge problem. A fucking absolute huge problem. And it's something that in some ways we may be too far gone already. We may be not be able to get some of this back, but we have to save as much as we can. But we have to have everybody on board that climate change even fucking exists. But we've got, what, 30 or 40% of the country thinks it's not real? That's part of the democracy thing. We've got to change people's minds. We've got to get people informed. We've got too many people watching Fox News, OAN, or Newsmax, getting told lies and believing it's the truth and then not getting any kind of information from anybody else. We've got a lot of ill-informed people in this country, and until they get informed, we're going to have a problem with the simple things in this country, let alone climate change. You talked about the continued degradation of our judicial system, issues of social justice, gun control, and the growth of white supremacy. That is a huge problem, too. But in order to handle it, you have to have a strong democracy to go after it and make people accountable. I am very concerned about the, the degradation of our judiciary system. You would think a judiciary system would be based on justice, 
And I don't see that as the way it is. It's about fucking wins. That's what it's about. You know, a prosecutor gets a case. Police say that guy's guilty, prosecute him. Now, we've seen in so many cases where some of these people that are mistaken because the police didn't do their job and they weren't guilty. But does the prosecutor look to see if they're really guilty? No. All they do is push real hard to get this guy put in jail. At that point, justice doesn't matter. It's all a matter of a win. And that's a problem with our judicial system. Our focus in our judicial systems is getting arrests and getting wins, not justice. That is a fucking problem. We're talking about gun control and things like that. People will talk about their Second Amendment rights, says that Second Amendment right says anybody can have a gun and as many guns as they want. That's not at all what it fucking says. That's not at all what it was intended for. People have read this thing like they do the Bible, take it out of context, pervert it to make it fit their agenda. And that's fucking bullshit. We need to get somebody to explain to people what that Second Amendment all, all actually reads so we can educate some dumb fucks in this country. Now, the other thing that you brought up, uh, but today the existential crisis seems to be nuclear war or at least the unleashing of major weapons of mass destruction. And I disagree with you there. I don't think we're on the verge of a nuclear war. The people that have the most power, United States, Russia, and China, none of those three entities want any kind of nuclear war because then it's game over. Even if you set off small nuclear weapons, it's going to have or create infinite damage to this country and so, or this world and the, and the people in it. There's a no-win situation with uh, nuclear weapons. Now, and as far as Russia going into the Ukraine, you know that America and all the European nations have committed not to go into Ukraine because it's not a NATO member. Now, the only wild card in this is Vladimir Putin. Now, we think we know Vladimir Putin, but he's kind of reacting a little more crazily lately. Where the problem comes in, where the problem comes in is if Vladimir Putin, Putin is crazy, he crosses through Ukraine and goes into a NATO country. Then we're on a whole different platform because all NATO countries are going to come to the defense of the one NATO country that's being attacked. And that's going to be ominous, even for Russia. Russia doesn't have any money. They have a lot of nuclear weapons, but they don't have any money. And as we'll talk about later in the show, with all these sanctions coming down now, they are getting isolated into one spot. They are becoming weaker every day. No matter how many nuclear weapons they have as a country, they are weaker. The only concern we have to have is that somebody like Vladimir Putin has a a suicide pact or something and, and, and is crazy and would be willing to push the button. But I don't think that Vladimir Putin is that. When we're talking about other weapons of mass destruction, I'm not so sure about that either. I mean, for Russia to overtake Ukraine, it shouldn't take weapons of mass destruction. That doesn't mean Vladimir Putin and the Russians won't use it, but I don't think that's necessary. The Ukraine military is fighting valiantly. They've surprised the Russians, and that's something we'll talk about too. But I don't think you're going to see somebody resorting to nuclear weapons or even these crazy mass weapons of destruction. I may be wrong about that. And I understand your concerns. We're in the middle of a war that nobody expected, nobody can validate, and it's a little scary right now. But we've gone through decades and decades with this nuclear weaponry. A lot of people, a lot of people have had control over it. Some crazier motherfuckers than we're seeing right now, and it's never quite happened. I think people are very cautious about this because not only affects them, it affects other parts of the world. It'll affect their family. It'll affect the future of their family. So I think people think hard and long about something like this. I don't feel we're on the verge of a nuclear war. 
I don't worry about that right now. And to be perfectly honest with you, there's no point in worrying about it anyway. If a nuclear war happens and we have any idea what happens when it occurs, (laughs) we aren't going to have time to worry about it. So there's no point in worrying about it now. So anyway, Denise, thank you very much for your comments and your questions. I hopefully gave you some semblance of an answer, and hopefully that works for you, and I was able to be clear enough to make you understand. But again, thanks, Denise. I got some other emails, short ones, and uh, they were all more um, going toward what I'd ask for in previous podcasts. You know, I've said we've talked about... uh, democratic messaging and how weak it is. And I'm seeing something now with Donald Trump supporting Vladimir Putin and now many Republican politicians, the right-wing media, supporting Putin. In their mind, all they want to do is own the Democrats, but they can't think far enough ahead to see what would occur if they actually do that. Well, now that we're having fighting in the Ukraine and the whole world is going against Vladimir Putin, and uh, when that happens, now all these politicians and this right-wing media is going, oh, fuck, that's probably not a good thing to be for, and they're stepping back. But Donald Trump is uh, still supporting it. That is a tool for the Democrats. Keep attaching Putin and Russia to every Republican, and they are going to have a difficult time, very difficult time, when it comes to the 2022 midterm elections. They don't like this at all. They already see what's in front of them. This was a gift to the Democratic Party and an absolute nightmare for the Republican Party. So I think we need to exploit it. And one of the things I was talking about is coming up with some kind of catchphrase or hashtag that ties Republicans to Putin and uh, Russia. Just to keep shoving it out there, make it go viral. So I got some people who sent me some suggestions. I, I basically said uh, a vote for Republicans is a vote for Putin. Too long. Not clever enough. So I'm asking the folks in the audience to throw me some shit to see if we can't come up with some better. Yesterday I read some. They were very good. I'm not hearing it yet. You have to understand how I do things. When when I'm looking for something or I'm listening for something, I can't necessarily tell you exactly what I'm looking for, but I'll know it when I hear it. Okay, this one comes from a gentleman by the name of Darwin. He says, hey, dude, love your podcast and listen daily. Thank you very much. Being a teamster, I like your verbiage. Ha, ha, ha. I think he's talking about my cussing. Some people have a problem with it. Some people like it. But it's just fucking me, man. I can't change it. I'm not very witty. So this this is the only one I could come up with. Hashtag bootlicking. Hashtag uh, pootlickins. I kind of like pootlickins. Repootlickins. That's that's interesting. I like that, Darwin. Let me think about it. Like I said, I'll know it when I hear it. Then I got a note from Jay. (laughs) And he had some ideas. Republicans for genocide. And uh, then he says, I really like Comrade Trump or Comrade Cruz, Vladimir Trump, Vladimir Trumplicans. They're all good choices. And, And, you know, I thought about the Comrade thing, too. Other people have mentioned it to me. And my only fear is for those of us that grew up in the 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever, we understand the term Comrade and how it directly connects to Russians. I don't know if the younger people get that, though. I don't know if they've heard that. You know, you've got that people using that term for other situations, and they maybe don't make that connection. But it's something to think about. And the last person, Edwin, this is more of a, a, a sign, I think, he's thinking of than it is a hashtag or whatever. And it's very straightforward. Republicans equal Putin. Republicans equal Russians. Republicans equal communism. Here's the thing about Russia. They're not officially communist anymore. 
They got a different name for it. And people always come to me and say, Russia's not a communist country anymore. Fuck you. It's all the same shit. There's nothing different. They slapped a different name on it. It's a dictatorship. And uh, I don't even care if it's communism. It's a fucking shitty way of life. They treat their people in that country horribly. They have immense amounts of poverty. People having all kinds of problems. It's not a good life. And, you know, the thing about it is, when I was growing up, when you were in school or watching TV or watching the news, in fact, Ronald Reagan said it. He said, Russia is an evil empire. And when they told us that, we got the impression that everybody in Russia was bad. Mean people, vicious people, violent people. And as I've gotten older, meeting some, having uh, met some Russian people, And watching a little closer, Russia as a whole isn't an evil empire. Russia is just a bunch of people like us. They just happen to have a fucked up government. Now, the government of Russia, the leader of Russia, that's a fucking evil empire. And these people that happen to live in Russia are pretty much oppressed and cheated and stolen from. And they live a tougher life because of this evil group of people that are running their country. So at this point, I don't look at all the members or all the citizens of Russia as bad people. I see them as people like we are people, like the Ukraine. Uh, Ukrainians are people. They have a government that is horrific, a government that needs to be taken out, needs to be cleared out. We see... Uh, Vladimir Putin wanting to go into Ukraine and dismantle the government and put a puppet in there that will be sympathetic to Russia. And we know Republicans and now uh, Russians are very big on projection. If we wanted a better world, a more peaceful world, what we need to do is go into Russia, take down that fucking government and put a decent government in it. It's kind of what Ukraine did. You know, for the longest time in Ukraine, they had these puppet leaders that were buddies with uh, Vladimir. But the Ukraine, Ukrainian people are very proud and very forthright and very in your face. Um, they don't fuck around. They're blunt. And they ended up kicking out those leaders and then voting in a leader they wanted, a leader like Zelensky. <clears throat> and that's part of the thing that caused Vladimir Putin so much trouble. They got closer to a real democracy. They started living more like Western countries. They leaned toward the EU. And that uh, that was a bridge too far for old Vladimir. He did not like that shit at all. And that's why he's in there now trying to take it back. He's telling everybody that uh, Zelensky and the government is a bunch of Nazis that they're uh, committing genocide on Russian people. None of that is true. And you know what? The people of Russia don't even believe it. No, they don't fucking believe it. Russian people and Ukrainian people are pretty close. They look at each other as brothers. There are families with members on either side of the border. Ukrainians and Russians like each other. This is just a ploy. This is just bullshit from Vladimir Putin, working on strictly his ego. These are things we'll talk more about in the second half. Uh, Let's take a quick break here, and we'll be back very shortly. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. So as we watch the news the last few days, we are seeing actually two things happening. First, Russia invading Ukraine with all its death and destruction and all the power of the Russian army. But number two, we're also seeing the last act, the last stage of a violent dictator, Vladimir Putin. And I'll explain. Now, he may not realize it yet, but he fucked up. He fucked up big time. 
Vlad wants to reconstitute the Soviet Union the way it was years ago, back in the 20s, I think. I think actually close to 100 years ago, 1922, and maybe why Vlad's so anxious to do it now, um, because it's a 100-year anniversary of this Soviet Union coming together. We had Russia and we had all these satellite countries that they took control of and pulled them into the Soviet Union, which made them more powerful, made them bigger. And then that went along for many years, and then Russia kind of ran out of steam. They decided to go into Afghanistan, try to take that over. They fucked up there. They didn't do anything. They ended up having to pull out, and they spent a lot of money, and they have an economy that's not nearly as strong as America. A few other things happened, and then the Soviet Union fell apart. All those satellite countries split off and started to lead their life on their own. Now, this has been um, a thorn in Vladimir Putin's side. Maybe not even a thorn. Maybe it's just a fantasy of his. You know, at this point, he has all the money in the world. He's been the dictator of Russia for 22 years. Maybe now he's looking at a legacy, looking at how he will be remembered and how he could maybe be one of the heroes of Russia like Stalin or Lenin. Maybe that's what he's looking for. He wants to take back Ukraine as a step in getting the Soviet Union back together. That's really what he wants to do. He grabbed Crimea. He messed with Georgia. And he's probably going to look at these other places. The problem he has is Ukraine is not covered by NATO, but many of these other countries are. And if he has the audacity to step in one of those other countries, now he's got 30 countries coming at his shit and he's going to have a problem. Now, when he wanted to take back Ukraine, he did what bullies do, because see, bullies are cowards. Initially, he hoped to intimidate them into submission. So what he did is he took 150 to 200,000 troops, parked them on the border, and said, see, we can kick your ass. You better just fold up and die. And then we'll take over Ukraine and everybody will be happy. Nobody gets killed. You just fold up and die. Well, unfortunately, he wasn't reading the room too well. He didn't understand Ukraine had a little resolve. They had pride in their country. And they were willing to fight for this no matter what the odds were. It didn't work. His bully tactics didn't work. Now, this... This will drive them nuts, because I say bullies are cowards. They don't want to do the work. They don't want to get into a fight. They just want to scare you enough so they can take the easy way out. Bullies are fucking lazy. If they actually have to fight, they're scared. They're troubled by that. Then, so, so when this bully tactic didn't work, he did what all good bullies do, and he did what Donald Trump would do. He fucking doubled down. He thought, well, my bully tactics aren't working. Maybe I'd better make them stronger, meaner. Because really, the only route I have to win this is to scare them enough to give up. So he doubled down, and he actually had to invade the country. Now, he did not want to do this, because Vladimir Putin is not stupid. And he knew this was going to bring about a lot of risk, a lot of danger to him and his country. But he didn't know what else to do. They weren't folding at his threats, so he had to go in. And then again, he figured, well, we're going to go in, and we're going to make this big charge in there, and they'll give up and run away, and we'll just pick up the rest. Funny thing is, Ukraine didn't do that. They did exactly what you should do with a bully. Stand up to them. Swat them in the snout. Do whatever you got to do, because that's how you deal with bullies. And I give Ukraine a lot of credit, because they're against insurmountable odds. There's no way the Russians can't beat Ukraine. And that's what Vladimir Putin thought. His military experts said, look, we can go in there and get this wrapped up in about 72 hours, you know? And the way Vladimir Putin looked at it, he says, okay, we go in there, we get it fast, we get it done, we don't expose too much, and nobody's bitching until we already have control of the country. 
That sounds like a good idea. We're powerful. We're strong. We'll get in there and get this done in 72 hours. Hmm. But again, they fucked up. Didn't happen that way. We're well past 72 hours now, and there's no end in sight. Because, you see, they're in the country. They took over an airport, but then they lost the airport back to the Ukraine. They've encircled some big cities, but they have not taken down one big city. And they're well past the 72-hour mark. So now this has Vladimir Putin kind of shitting in his pants. Ukraine was more formidable than they expected. Now he's embarrassed. And that's a bad sign, actually. When you take a narcissist and you back him into a corner... You prove him wrong. He has no way out. He has a tough time admitting he's wrong. But he's in a corner now, and he has no way out. He can't bullshit his way out. So what they do at that point is they start flailing. They pull everything out of the bag. They get violent. They start swinging. All kinds of crazy shit happens. Not until you completely subdue him and throw him into submission, then they run. But until that time, they're going to become more violent and more dangerous. And that's a problem in the Ukraine. Because this fucking guy may forget about trying to take over Ukraine and just go in there and make as much damage and kill as many people as he can. But as I say, the Ukraine army was far more formidable than he expected. Now, the Ukraine has reported Russian losses during these first few days of this uh, this conflict or this war. And when I read it, I thought, wow, that's fucking amazing. I just thought they'd get run over, but that's not the case. Ukraine has said that Russia has lost 14 airplanes, five helicopters, 102 tanks, 536 armored cars, 15 artillery pieces, and one buck system. Not sure what that is. But the number of deaths and the number of Russian soldiers that has died is up to 3,500 men and women. Wow. These people back in Russia are mad that he's at war. They have no idea what kind of pain they're going to suffer with the sanctions. But they just lost 3,500 young men and women, soldiers in the Russian army, for fucking nothing. They ain't going to be happy about that. In addition... Ukraine has taken 200 prisoners. Now, that didn't go exactly like Vlad had hoped. And as I said, Vlad is embarrassed. Now, when somebody like this gets embarrassed, as I said, they get crazy. They get mean. They get violent. They get irrational. So that's maybe something we can be looking forward to. And I don't mean that in a positive way because it's not going to be pretty. At some point, somebody's got to put the Russian army down or put Vladimir Putin down. It's kind of like Donald Trump. As long as they're in the equation, they're going to stir shit up and cause damage. They're like that little kid that goes into a toy store or into his daycare, and all he does is fucking break toys. That's what these people are like. Now, we're seeing more heavy artillery roll into the country. They have encircled Kiev and some of the other bigger towns or cities in the country. They haven't gotten into them yet. They are trying to take down the uh, Ukrainian government. Presumably, they want to imprison or even kill the president, Zelensky. Now, President Zelensky, when this all started, he was urged by a lot of people in the country, out of the country, that he should just leave. But you know what he did? He decided to stay. He donned some combat gear. He grabbed a weapon. He went out in the streets to fight. In actuality, that may be a good choice. Just sitting in the capital waiting for the Russians to come may not be the safe way to go. If he's moving around a little bit and involved in the fight, he might be safer that way. That doesn't mean he's completely safe. They'll be looking for him, and if they find him, he's pretty much done. I give a lot of credit to Zelensky. Former actor, becomes president of the country. And he's showing more courage, more balls than Donald Trump did in his whole fucking life. It's a crazy comparison between those two. That is actually pretty courageous. 
While it's unlikely Ukraine could hold off Russia forever, the longer it takes, the longer this war takes, the worse it's going to be for Vladimir Putin. As I said, one of the things we're watching is the demise of a vicious, murderous dictator, Vladimir Putin. A lot of people have bought into the BS that Putin is strong, confident, and invincible. This is not true. Putin is weak, he's scared, and uncertain, as I pointed out earlier. His bullying tactics haven't worked. So now he doubles down and invades. Didn't want to do this because it's far too risky. He may take control of Ukraine, but it may cost him his seat of power in Russia. Two-thirds of the world right now is against Vladimir Putin. They're all speaking out against him. They've all got sanctions. They're all doing crazy shit right now just to shut down Putin and Russia. He has become a pariah in this world. The first round of sanctions will cripple Russia's already fragile economy. Russian citizens by the thousands are protesting. They're protesting the war and Putin himself. And when the sanctions take hold, these same people will struggle and suffer. They won't be able to get their money. They won't be able to get food. They won't be able to have their um, daily essentials. Now, the elite class, the oligarchs, the billionaires, they're angry at Putin, too, because they've lost a lot of money to America and other European countries freezing their money. They're not very happy with Vladimir Putin. At this point, the only people supporting him is the military. So you've got the population of Russia. You've got the elite in Russia who basically run things that aren't happy with Vladimir Putin. And we've got the rest of the world not happy with Vladimir Putin. That doesn't bode well for Vladimir Putin, but it doesn't stop there. See, Vladimir Putin himself and Foreign Minister Sergei Lerizov have been sanctioned personally. Joe Biden, other European countries, has sanctioned them personally. So what that means is that any monies that these people have that are outside of Russia, in America, in Europe, wherever, all that shit is grabbed and frozen. Any money they had, gone. They can't have access to it anymore. I know that uh, Vladimir Putin is very wealthy, maybe the richest man in the world, but that's got to sting. But the problems don't start there. There are new sanctions coming out every day. Different things going against Vladimir Putin. We've got countries all over the world doing something different every day. And every day this happens, it makes it um, tougher for Vladimir Putin in Russia to do business as they normally would do. Yesterday, selected Russian banks have been taken off the International Banking Service, the service called SWIFT. This is a kind of a messaging service between banks internationally, and it's very essential to uh, sending money. It's not the actual way they send money, but it's the communication tied to the way they send money. Now, they were take they America and the the uh, Joe Biden and the uh, Europeans have taken select banks and taken them off the SWIFT system, which basically means they can't do any international trade. And since um, Russia's main source of income, only source of income, is oil, it's a little hard to sell oil to other countries if you have no way to. Uh, complete the deal financially. That's going to take its toll on this fucked up economy already. It'll make it almost impossible to do any national trade. This is going to cost them billions and billions of dollars. This is a big deal. Now, the one thing is they've got another step they could go. They could take the central bank of Russia, the biggest bank, that deals with the people and some government and all that stuff, take them off the SWIFT system, and that essentially shuts down the whole country. They got no place to go. Now, I did hear that uh, the SWIFT system isn't tied to China. So theoretically, 
Russia could still deal with China, but China's starting to have some problems with the way he's tending to business in Ukraine. Their main source of revenue, as I said, is oil. This makes it almost impossible to sell their product. It makes it impossible for their uh, country to make any money. You see what's happening here with these sanctions. They're isolating Russia. They can only deal with Russia or select smaller countries that they have relationships with, like, say, Belarus or something. But if they can't deal on the international market, they're fucking done. Now, this powerful dictator will now face an uprising against him in his very own country. The people, the oligarchs, the elite, they aren't going to be happy about this. And this may be the end of his reign as president in Russia. Even if he does overthrow Ukraine, here's his problem. In order to maintain Ukraine under Russian control, he doesn't have enough people to do it. He can't assign enough people to keep it controlled. So what's the point of even doing this if you can't run it after the fact? But see, he's not thinking like that. That's the one thing about uh, Trumplicans and apparently Russians. They only think about now, how they can fix their situation now. They don't care about the future. They'll worry about the future when it happens. But then they tend to make uh, serious mistakes. They fuck up a lot. And that's what Vladimir Putin is doing right now. Just about every turn he makes, he's fucked. Ukraine will be wounded in the end. There'll be people that are killed or displaced. But Putin, in the end will be taken down. That's inevitable. That's what happens in these kinds of uh, countries where you have dictators. The dictators are all powerful until they're not. When they fuck up and cause the rest of the country to dislike them, if they're not fearful of them and they dislike them, that dictator is in trouble. And we've seen it tons and tons of times dictators that are supposed to have all this power and then all of a sudden they disappear they end up in jail they end up dead or they end up like Mussolini and uh, that seems to be the route that Vladimir Putin's on if everywhere you turn everybody hates you and you've done damage to everybody how much longer could you possibly have now we hear that 60 Ukrainian civil civilians have been killed one of those is a six-year-old boy. We heard about a missile hitting a kindergarten. Yet these people constantly tell us that they aren't targeting civilians. <laughs> like we're going to believe Vladimir Putin. He also said he wasn't going to invade. Then he said he wasn't going to occupy. And each time he lied. So this is Vladimir Putin's legacy. Even if he can end up doing business with people internationally, who's going to believe him? He hasn't said anything truthful since he started this whole bullshit. He hasn't told anybody the truth. So do you think any country, any leader is ever going to trust him again? If he even survives this. If he survives this and somehow stays in power, he'll be impotent. He won't be able to do anything. If they leave these sanctions on, um, uh, (laughs) this country will kind of shrivel away like like a skin tag, you know? They need their lifeblood. They need their money. They need their business. The sad thing about it is that the people of Russia, who probably aren't very bad people, they're nice people, they're good people like everybody else, they are going to suffer. So when people tell me, well, those sanctions aren't going to do anything to Putin because he's got so much money. Yeah, he's got money. Got plenty of money. But when the rest of his country has no money and they get angry, he's going to die with a lot of money because they are not going to stand for it. You know, it's kind of interesting that in America, patriots, alleged patriots, attack our capital. Ukrainians, who are patriots, are fighting to protect their capital. 
What a weird contradiction. Our president said he would lead his cult members down to the Capitol. Instead, he ran to the safety of the White House and hid in the dining room and watched it on TV. President Zelensky is under the threat of death. And what's he do? He puts on a flak jacket, grabs a weapon, and is fighting side by side with uh, his military on the streets. He's fighting with his people. Here's the thing that's going to happen. Donald Trump thrives on flattery, thrives on people worshiping him. But that's going away because of all the horrible things he's done and how it's getting exposed. The fact that he's associating and complimenting Russia and Vladimir Putin. When this is all said and done, if somehow Ukraine comes out on the other side and President Zelensky survives... That is going to be a very much admired president. He was just an actor at one time. He was president of this country. But he's going to become a hero. And if he dies, he's going to become a martyr. And if Ukraine survives, everybody will know Ukraine and everybody will respect Ukraine. This is what Vladimir Putin is doing. So if somehow Ukraine can survive. It'll be better days for that country. And here's the thing. We're seeing every day other countries around the world sending them weapons, sending them um, ammunition. They're doing everything they can help short of going into Ukraine and fighting with them. They can't do that because Ukraine isn't NATO and it could start a third world war. The only thing we have to be concerned about is Vladimir Putin going into a NATO nation, then 30 countries coming after him. Again, we could be starting a third world war, but Vladimir Putin's not that stupid. In fact, Vladimir Putin may learn a lesson from this thing in Ukraine, and he may not try to do this type of thing again, assuming he survives and assuming he continues to be president of Russia. Here's the funny thing. Trump, even today is still supporting Putin, calling him a genius, thinking this invasion is wonderful. He has no clue what's going on. He's been interviewed a number of times, and he said some of the stupidest shit, like Americans hitting the beaches of Ukraine with uh, amphibian vehicles. (laughs) Does this fucker know we're not fighting Ukraine? Does he know we're not fighting at all? We're just helping or assisting. He's supposed to know what's going on. He was president of the United States, but this dumb fuck has no clue. He has no clue. There's some other things happening to Russia, too. I just heard about the EU. European Union is closing all airspace to all Russian aircraft. That means no Russian aircraft can fly into EU airspace. That's going to cause a problem for him. That's going to cause an issue. And that's just one of many things that people are doing. Now, we've heard about Russia wanting to hack the United States or other European countries. They've done it before, and they'll probably do it again. And Joe Biden kind of intimated that America might do it back to them, which is about time they should do that. But none of that's happening to any great amount right now. But there are a lot of independent people in this country and around the world that are hackers that are going after Russia. I just heard a story about uh, Anonymous. If you're on TikTok or Twitter or something like that, you know who Anonymous is. Well, you don't know who Anonymous is because nobody knows who they are, but you've heard of the entity or the group. Apparently, they're already hacking government websites and taking them down, and they're claiming there'll be more coming and it will be worse. There are hackers in other parts of the world that have abilities to hack into websites and whatever, or send uh, viruses, what have you. The whole world has hackers that are focusing in on Russia and doing what they can to damage everything they're doing. 
The other thing is Elon Musk. You know who he is with Tesla and the uh, space program and all that shit. One of the concerns about for Ukraine is that somehow Russia will take out the internet, and if they take out the internet, they can't make any, uh, they can't communicate, they can't do a lot of stuff that they're doing now, and that's a reasonable concern. If I'm Russia, that'd be the first thing I'd take out because that puts them at a big disadvantage. Well, Elon Musk has come along. I'll be honest with you, not a big fan of Elon Musk. I think he's a greedy fuck, and I think he's dangerous. But in this situation, what he's told Ukraine is he's building a, uh, or he has built a satellite that's in space that is supposed to be another option for the Internet. People will be able to buy a little receiver and get the Internet from a satellite as opposed to where we get Internet from now. And, of course, if it's a satellite, Russia can't do much with it. So Elon Musk is sending a bunch of receivers to uh, Ukraine. And he's giving all of Ukraine access to that satellite Internet. So Russia can't cut off their Internet, cut off their communications, and uh, cut out their contact with the outer world. So that's, that's impressive. And I'll give Elon Musk props for that. But you can see what's happening here. Everybody's pissed off. Everybody's coming at Russia from all different angles. They're helping Ukraine. They're going after Russia. And that's just the piddly stuff now as time goes on and it gets worse and Vladimir Putin looks more and more stupid. This is what I'm saying. We're looking at the end days for Vladimir Putin. He won't be able to survive this. Somehow he'll disappear or he'll no longer be president of Russia. He'll be done. He will be gone. I don't know how they'll do it or what they'll do, but count on it. Sometime over the next year, this fuck is going to be gone and somebody else will be there. Hopefully, it's somebody better. You never know, but hopefully it is. All right, we're going to wrap up the uh, wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for spending the time to listen. If you have questions, comments, complaints, whatever you got, just send them to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer Podcast, and leave me a voicemail. Love hearing from you. You know that. All right, we'll wrap it up, and I will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.